Love lifted me, and I would like you to lift the insert in your bulletin and flip it over to the notes for today's message as we continue our series in May about spiritual disciplines. If you were here last week, you got to hear our guest speaker by the name of Mike Sparks, who spoke on roadblocks to prayer. And I've heard many testimonies of how that blessed many people. And uh, not only that, but then we had a joint prayer service Sunday night hosted by Mike Sparks in which the church corporately prayed together all in one accord. You know, I believe the disciples possibly drove a Honda because it said they were always in one accord. Today, we continue that theme of prayer. And the title of today's message is Praying Like Jesus. What I want you to do, you may not normally take notes, but I want to do a little bit of a spiritual exercise. In those notes, you'll see at the top three blanks. Grab a pen in front of you, and I want you to participate in this exercise if you would. First, on that first blank, I would like you to write down from this week your most significant family event. Write down in blank number one your most significant family event. It could have been the ball game with your son. Could have been fishing with your daughter. Could have been going on a date night with your wife. Maybe yours is going on a date night without your wife. Whatever it may be, your most significant family event. All right, blank number two. I want you to write down your favorite television event from this past week. If you only watched one show, then it's not hard to think about it. Maybe it was a season finale from your favorite show. Maybe your sports team had a good game on television. Right now, your most significant uh, media or television event. Lastly, I want you to write down your favorite time this week spent with God. Your favorite time spent with God. Now, for most of us, it was very easy to think of our favorite event with our family. If we did something together, we could put that down. For me, yesterday, it was pushing my daughter on the swing. Just those simple little things. That was my favorite event of the week for family. It is not hard for most of us to list the most favorite event from television. Because we either were watching The Voice or Duck Dynasty or what else people watch. But when we get to that third option, how difficult was it to recall your favorite moment with God? Possibly and more than likely a little more difficult than the other two options. You see, here's what I believe. I believe that most of us want to spend quality time with God. And most of us want to spend quantity time. We don't just want to spend five minutes with God. We really want to invest in the most important part of our life, which is our spiritual relationship with the Father. But the question is, why don't we do that as we should? Last week, I think Mike answered one of the most important answers to that. And he talked about having roadblocks in our prayer life. And if we have sin in our life that we have not dealt with or confessed to God or brought it before God, it will create a barrier between us and God. But see, the thing is, we can't get help with sin. 
if we don't ask God in prayer to help us with sin. And when we're struggling with a sin, we think that's a barrier to God, so we don't go to prayer asking Him for help with that sin. So yes, sin is a barrier. I've heard that either God will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from God. That's pretty good, amen? Y'all a little quiet on Mother's Day. Your mom's at church, and you're like, man, I better act, act nice in here. Mama's a Methodist, and if we Baptists start shouting, she's never going to come back here. You see, but apart from the sin barrier, I believe that most of us don't go to God in prayer for the same reason we didn't ask the girl to the dance in seventh grade. We were afraid we would say the wrong thing. Now, of course, if you're a female, you didn't ask the girl to the dance. But you were sitting around waiting for a boy to ask you to dance. Or maybe you didn't talk to that boy in the lunchroom. Or maybe you didn't go ask that boss or the, the CEO of a company that question you needed to about your job. Because we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing. It's really a language barrier. Because we believe God is so much higher than us, then how can he possibly relate with little, finite me? I don't want to say the wrong thing. See, our impression of spirituality is normally dominated by the long prayers we hear in church. We hear the chairman, get, chairman of deacons get up and pray for five minutes. Fred, nothing wrong with that. But there's a stigma we get from church prayer language. We hear the preacher pray, we hear the director of Sunday school pray, we hear our Sunday school teacher pray, and we're like, man, I don't pray like that. Maybe God doesn't want to hear me. Our mentality is that we have gotten from preachers who have told us we need to spend an hour in prayer each day. Now don't get me wrong, it would do us and the church and the country much good to spend an hour in prayer. But see, the thing is, tomorrow when Roman starts taking his first steps, I'm not going to ask him to go run a marathon. How would that be? Roman starts taking some steps. And I'm like, all right, boy, 26 miles tomorrow. See, the thing is, our Christianity is a journey. You don't start tomorrow praying for an hour with God because, honestly, you wouldn't know what to do. You would pray for five minutes and then sit there for 55 minutes feeling guilty. The thing is, we can start small. That's all I want to do today through this message. And actually, I put on Facebook that today was called the Duck Dynasty Guide to Prayer. How many of you have seen Duck Dynasty? It's the number two show in America. As a matter of fact, for, for, a year, for a year or longer, Tyler would say, you want to watch Duck Dynasty? And I never would, because I don't watch much TV. And I knew uh, most of America watched it, and I said, I really don't want to watch it. If America watches it, I'm probably not interested. But then I started hearing about their faith. I started hearing about the fact that they prayed on every show, and it piqued my interest. So I said, I want to find out what this is really about. And I was honestly not that interested about 45 minutes into the first time I watched it until Uncle Si got on. <laughs> and Uncle Si starts talking about, hey, Jack, we got all kinds of problems in this world. Y2K. He, he just goes on and on, talk about all this crazy stuff. Size an interesting character, but here's what got me. At the end of the show, the whole family gets together and prays. Now, the one who always leads the prayer is Phil Robertson. He's the dad. He's 66 years old. Matter of fact, in second service, I'm going to play a short clip of his testimony. Our time's a little more constrained in the first service. But Phil Robertson is a preacher, an evangelist. 
And I watched an interview where when the History Channel or whoever it was was airing their show, he would pray and he would end every prayer in Jesus' name and they cut it out. They cut out in Jesus' name. And he called him. he said, hey guys, why do you cut out the name of the one who you live time by? They said, what do you mean? They said, well, out of all the people that ever lived on this earth, we only measure time by one. That was Jesus. B.C., before him, A.D., after him. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. They said, I would imagine that if we measure time by this name, man named Jesus, that possibly it would be okay to pray in his name. They said, okay. So if you watch Duck Dynasty, you'll see every show end with prayer. But here's what's amazing. They don't over-spiritualize their Christianity. And honestly, Phil Robertson's about as down-to-earth, about as American and simple as they come. And when he prays, there's no fluff about it. There's no theological language he's got. And most of the times, they're eating rabbit or deer or duck. And he said, God, thank you for these rabbits that we can put in our belly. It doesn't get more simple than that, folks. And what I get the impression of is is my hope is that America can watch this and see that you can come to God just as you are. You don't have to have a master's of divinity to pray and be accepted by God. So today, I want to look in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I want to look at the model prayer from the one who we Measure time by Jesus Himself. Nope, that's why, because I'm in the book of Mark. Let me turn to Matthew. It's in my bulletin. That's why I have it up here, not for y'all, but for me. Matthew 6. Let's start here. Let's start back in verse 5 and read the context of what Jesus says about prayer. He says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who sees in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as they the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Let's read it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You've heard this verse all your life. You've prayed it. You prayed it before football games. I prayed it before every wrestling practice. We prayed it at Bible club. You've prayed it over and over again in different situations. And we've examined even verse by verse the theological concepts. But what I want to do is I want to look at the whole thing in the aspect that this is Jesus' model prayer. Did I cut out? This one's not working either. So I'm just going to go on natural amplification today. But here's Jesus' model prayer. 
These are the three elements that I want you to know about praying like Jesus. First of all, follow along in in your notes is this. Prayers can be short. Prayers can be short. Somebody say short. See, most people won't get up and lead a prayer conference and tell you that your prayer can be short. They're going to try to tell you how to pray long, how to pray for an But in reality, I want you to look at the model prayer from Jesus and understand that the model prayer was only 10 sentences long. Jesus knew that for thousands of years, his disciples would look at the model prayer. He said, pray in this manner. Pray like this. And you know what that manner was? It was short. Amen? everyone get that? (coughs) The Lord's model prayer is ten sentences. I truly believe that short prayers please God more than long prayers. I'm sorry. Let me say this. Let's see if this one's on. This one's on. We'll have to turn it down a little bit. I believe that short prayers please God more than no prayers. Matthew 18 says that we are To have faith like a child. When we come to God and talk with Him, we don't have to please Him or impress Him with our words. Anybody ever heard of the evangelist D.L. Moody? If you have, raise your hand. All right, let's bring this down. Check, 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 bring it down. Check, 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 that's good. D.L. Moody was an uneducated preacher. He was a shoe salesman turned evangelist. And one time he went to preach at a Boston congregation and the, uh, whoever was introducing him that day before he introduced D.L. Moody got up and said this long and lengthy prayer, something along the lines of this. He got up and said, Oh, most gracious, benevolent, loving Father, we asketh that thou would bestow upon us today some right granting of thy favor and thy presence. And he went on and on and on for several minutes. And once he got done, D.L. Moody stepped up to the podium and said, That was the most eloquent prayer I've ever heard offered to a Boston congregation. See, that prayer wasn't offered to God because no one talks like that to each other. I don't go to Robert and say, oh, most excellent, favorful Robert, would you bestow upon me today some of thy gracious presence? No. Why do we go to God that way? Jesus said, I have not called you servants. I have called you friends. If anybody talks to your friends that way, I want to come and videotape it and put it on YouTube because that would be hilarious. And no one talks to their mother or father that day. I don't go to my mother on Mother's Day. Loving, kind, gentle, pleasing mother. Thank you for carrying me for nine months. No, I say, I say, hey, mom, I love you. And that's okay. You see? It doesn't have to be long to be spiritual. God already knows what we need. We just need to have the faith to ask. This is why Jesus says before he introduces the model prayer, he says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. What's the opposite of that? If the pagans think that many words will make them hear them, what can Christians know? It doesn't take many words for God to hear. 
You see, sometimes you felt inadequate because you don't know what to pray for for a long period of time. And you don't feel like if you go to God for five minutes in the morning, it will be sufficient. Let me tell you something. If you'll spend five minutes in quality time with God, he'll make five hours of quantity time in your life. God is pleased with any act of faith that you can go to him with. God accepts the prayer of a heart without words, but he does not accept words without heart. That's pretty good, isn't it? Is that in your notes? Man, just circle that. God accepts the prayer of a heart without words, but he does not accept words without heart. We don't have to go to him in elaborative language. We can go to him with short, simple time. So number one is that prayers can be short. Number two is that prayers can be simple. Man, this is a great verse. Jesus says in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now let's just pause right there. Let's just take that verse. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now some people say, well, I'm going to go pray for a red Ferrari tomorrow. Jesus said it, name it and claim it, right? (laughs) Red Ferrari in Jesus' name. I've seen them on TV talk like that. I pray that God's going to give me a black Lexus right now, in Jesus' name. Listen, folks, if a black Lexus is your definition of spiritual satisfaction, you have not seen the glory of God. Because here's the second part of that verse, that the Father may be glorified. What we pray for are things that will glorify the Father. That the Father is glorified in the Son. So that when we come to Jesus and whatever we ask in Jesus' name and God bestows it upon us, it's to bestow things for His glory. And I don't know the last time a black Lexus, somebody said and said, Man, glory to God, that's a nice looking Lexus. That's not necessarily where we're going. Prayers can be simple. Nothing is too small to take in prayer to God. I'm going to tell you how small you can pray for things. I've shared this testimony that for the past two years, I haven't had to take a sick day from work. I haven't come down with the flu. I haven't come down with the cold. I haven't come down with strep throat. I haven't come down with a headache. Nothing in two years. And here's what I learned. That I can pray. If I feel a tingle in my throat, Like I might be getting sick, I just rebuke it in Jesus' name. If I feel my sinuses like they're creeping up an infection, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You know why? Because an allergy might be small, but if I get an allergy, it's going to mess my voice up to preach the gospel. Do you think I can pray to God about an allergy? Most certainly can. I used to have allergies so bad, I would have to go to middle school with tissue paper stuffed up my nose in PE class. It would just run all day long. And Tyler said, you know what? Your allergies haven't been bad. I said, yes, praise the Lord, because I've been praying to God about my allergies. You know what? As a 7th and 8th grader, I didn't pray to God about my allergies. I didn't think God cared about my allergies. But now I realize God cares about everything. There's no situation too small that you can't take to God. Prayers can be simple. Jesus said in Luke 12, 7, Indeed, the very hairs of your head... Are all numbered. Man, God has numbered the hairs on your head. And fortunately, for some of you, he didn't have to count as long. (laughs) 
If God has taken the time to know the number of hairs on my head, do you know that He knows everything about you? Do you know the significance of that verse? It's not to tell you that God cares about the number of hairs. The significance is to tell you God understands and has counted every detail of your life. He's counted everything. He's understood everything. He's involved in everything. From the amount of money you spend on groceries to the amount of time you spend with your family to the amount of time that you can be with your wife to the, to the amount of reading you put into spiritual things to the amount of Bible study to the number of scriptures you read. Everything matters to God. So what I mean is by prayers can be simple is that you don't have to have a deep spiritual concept to talk to God about. What do you talk to friends about? Hey man, what's going on? Oh, nothing. I'm just going to hang out with my grandmother today. You know what? Pray that God blesses time with your grandmother. Pray about anything and everything that God will bless it because if we're doing something without blessing God, why are we doing it? Amen? If we're doing something and it brings no glory to God, then we should stop. And some of you say, well, what about my job? When did someone tell you your job could not bring glory to God? Every day you have an opportunity to bring glory to God. You know what? I spent 10 years in the military for the purpose of being in the military. And in the past two years, God just gripped me and said, you're not in the military to be in the military. You're in the military to glorify God. And I started praying on every drill weekend. See, the thing is, when I'm not on the military duty... I'm still preaching. Or I'm sorry, when I'm away at military duty, even though I'm not in this pulpit, I'm still preaching. And I've realized I can be a jet engine mechanic for the glory of God. I've realized that those guys God's given me with that I've lived with for 12 years, I've invested and shown them a Christian example for 10 years. And now, two years later, now we're having spiritual discussions every month that I'm there and they're asking questions about the gospel. And here's what changed in me. Nothing about the circumstance changed. God didn't change. What changed was my attitude about the glory of God through my work. So whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a nurse, whether you are, are uh, a shoe salesman like D.L. Moody, do it for the glory of God. Bring it to God in prayer. Every morning, say, God, on the way to work, God, I pray you'd give me an awesome day that I can have gospel conversations. Prayers can be simple. Thirdly and lastly, prayers can be singular. Prayers can be singular. Meaning you can only, you, you don't have to pray about more than one thing at a time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, pray without ceasing. You know I always felt guilty about this? Have you ever read that verse and felt guilty? Man, God expects me to pray all day long. Ain't that what they think? That's what we've been told, pray without ceasing. That's not what it means. It means that your prayer time does not have an end. Your prayer time has no ending point. Anybody use, uh, remember AOL Instant Messenger? That's back in the day, isn't it? Anybody use Facebook chat? Here's what happens on Facebook chat. Let's say me and Brother George South are having a Facebook chat. And it makes that little noise. George says, hello, preacher. Hello, George. And we go back and forth, and maybe I'm working on a sermon, and maybe he's uh, uh, looking up wrestling videos on YouTube and doing all kind of things. But 30 minutes later, that chat window's still open. I said, hey, George, you want to catch lunch tomorrow? 
Yeah, man, that sounds good. 30 minutes later, that chat window is still open. Hey, George, I'm going to the hospital. Would you pray for me? I sure will. Here's what happened. We didn't have a one hour and a half conversation, but the chat window always stayed open. We only talked about one thing at a time, and I never closed out the chat window. The chat window with God never has to close. The chat window always stays open. When the prayer time in the morning ends, we don't say, God, I'll see you in four hours at lunch. That's what it means to pray without ceasing, that there never has to be an end. You know, one time my wife Tyler and I drove to Branson, Missouri. She was a real sweetheart. She drove the whole way. I just held the steering wheel. But seriously, that trip took 18 hours. Do you think we talked for 18 hours? Well, I certainly didn't. But when we did talk, it was about one thing at a time. Hey, did you hear Jeremiah's getting married? Oh, really? When's that happening, June? Man, that's great. He's a good friend. Silence for 15 minutes. Hey, did you hear that your mother's going to the beach next week? No, I didn't. Man, maybe we can go visit her down there. That'd be nice. 15 minutes of silence. Here's the thing. We only talked about one thing at a time. But the conversation never ended. This is what it means that prayers can be singular. That if there's something on your heart right now, you can go to God right now with that one thing and be okay. But see, we think, if, man, if I don't go to God for 30 minutes, He's really not going to pay me attention the reality is that God wants to talk with you all the time I think here's the key God wants to talk with you all the time you need to hear that I'm gonna say it three times God wants to talk to you all the time sometimes people call me during the week and they say pastor I know you're a busy person I know you're busy this week I'll only take a few minutes but see what they don't know is in reality my job is about people My job is about relating with people. I want to talk with people. And I want to hear their problems. I may be a sadomasochist. But I want to hear and help people find ways that God can help them. The problem is too often we think that God is busy dealing with the whole world. That he doesn't have time for little old me. Herein lays the difference between God and the devil. This is good. You see, the devil can only be one place at one time. Did you know that? The devil can only be one place at one time because he's a created being. But God can be all places at all times. Matter of fact, yesterday, Bella and I were talking about some pretty serious spiritual issues. I was outside building shutters for my wife. I'm building her new shutters for Mother's Day. And Bella was talking to her imaginary friend named Ana. She was talking with her friend, and I heard Bella say something about hell. It's my interest speaking. Bella's four years old. I say, Bella, who are you talking to, Ana? What are you telling her about? I'm telling Ana that hell's a bad place, where monsters exist, and where the devil is. So that's a pretty good understanding. But Bella said, but you know, the, Bella, the, the devil really never messes with me. I said, oh, really? She says, yeah, the only time is when he rearranges my shoes. I mean, for a four-year-old girl, that's a big problem. 
I mean, for a four-year-old to rearrange shoes is a big deal. When you wake up and they're rearranged, man, I'd be like, devil's on me this week. See, God is not like that. God is omniscient, meaning all-knowing. God is omnipotent, omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. God is omnipresent, meaning He's all places. Has anyone ever been to the Omnimax at Discovery Place? Y'all ever seen a movie there? The Omnimax is this huge screen that wraps around you. 180 degrees of view in the Omnimax. And you can watch a movie and it's like you're literally inside the water or the ocean, or wherever you're watching about. See, it's called the Omnimax because it's all around. When we say God is omnipresent, we're meaning He's everywhere. He's in the car ride. He's at the workplace. He's in the bedroom. He's in the shower. I love shower prayer time. Don't mean to give you TMI visual imagery, but if you go tomorrow and have shower time prayer with God, praise be to God unto His glory. Getting clean physically and spiritually before the day starts. God is everywhere. There's no place in the universe where God is not there. So the only way to maintain a spirit of prayer throughout the day is to pray about things as they come up. There's a problem at work. Pray about it then. Don't wait till quote unquote prayer time. There doesn't have to be a prayer time. We are prayer time. My life is prayer time. My spirit is prayer time. There's no no difference. There's no ending to the conversation. Prayer can be singular because you can pray about something as it happens. Someone comes up to you in the hallway at church, say, man, I really have a problem with what pastor's doing right now. Just say, let's pray about it. That's pretty good advice right there. Sometimes people come up and have a complaint. And I'll say, I can tell this is a really big burden. Would you pray about this? That normally cause someone to get spiritual and to look at the inside motive. Amen? We can pray about anything at any time and know that we have access to God. You should start doing this with your children. They come home, they had a bad day with the teacher. Right then, let's pray about it. Your spouse comes home, they had a rough day at work, right then. Let's pray about it. And it's okay to go to God. You see, there is a place for the prayer closet. But there's also a place for the prayer car. There is a time to get quiet with Jesus, but there's also a time to stay with Him for the rest of the day. Here's what I want you to know. Your prayer's life doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be theological. It doesn't have to be quote-unquote mature. You can come to Jesus with short prayers, with simple prayers, with singular prayers, and know that God hears every single one. I like this in conclusion, Philippians 4, 6, that says, Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God in every situation. There's no thing too small for God to handle. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for being the example of love. We thank you in this place for mothers who have reflected that example, who've raised us up in godliness, in church, who trained us to trust in God. 
God, we thank you for giving us models in the New Testament, and specifically today for a model of prayer. And what's so amazing that, Jesus, you were the smartest human being ever to walk the face of this earth. You were smarter than any Ph.D. theologian or any biblical commentator, but you gave us the model prayer to God, and you did not make it complex. Lord, I believe Christianity is so simple that a child can understand it, but I believe it's so profound that even the wisest men in the universe have a problem with it. I pray that we would be like that little child, if anything. That maybe we don't understand it all, but we trust that everything is in your hand and we desire to bring everything to you. So God, what I pray for today is that you would tear down any spiritual barrier in someone's relationship life with you. A prayer barrier, a a forgiveness barrier, a sin barrier, so that we have access to an omnipresent God 24-7. God, I pray that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that desires to enter into a relationship with you today, that your word says if we confess you as Lord and Savior, our sins will be forgiven. I pray that someone would publicly confess you today, that they would walk that aisle, say, Pastor, this week I knew it was time to become a Christian. God, I pray if there's any family ready to join a church with a vision, to join a church where Jesus is worshipped freely in spirit and in truth, that they would come and say, Pastor, we're ready to be a part of of this church. Whatever it is that you would have your will and way in this place today, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Would you stand?